0: All right. Welcome to Draw, Loser, Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on Saturday's nil 0 draw down in Dumfries is David Forrest. David, are you well? I'm well. Well, Welcome back
1: to the pod. I'll be able to take care of things when you were away, but it's good to have you back.
0: It's good to be back. Thanks. Thank you very much. You did a more than capable job of, of hosting in my absence. and. It, it was one of them, you know, when Ellis James stands in in Football Weekly and Max Rushton always gets a wee bit concerned that he's he's in for his job, but it was one of them. But uh, you've come back to the Barry Glendening role, so I'm, I'm delighted. And also here is Rhys Haldane. Rhys, are you well? How are you doing? Yeah,
2: I'm really good, thanks. Um, it's always good to get a wee catch-up after the weekend, see how things are going, um, and just to hear each other's thoughts on the game. Another clean sheet for the team, so, yep, good run continues.
0: It sure does, Reece, I'll Stick with you, and we'll talk about the starting eleven as we as we always do now. There were a few changes to the starting eleven, and it ended up being the same team that won down at Rugby Park about a month ago. It was that four-two-three-one shape with Conor Murray coming into the team, looking to maybe have a wee bit more energy in the team than usual. What did you make of the starting eleven?
2: Um, I couldn't say I had any complaints when I seen the starting eleven because obviously the team done really well that day, at Kelly. But I just feel like the team. That we picked that day for Kelly it suited that game a bit more, um, just to win second balls and like try to be a bit more creative in midfield. But I felt like I, I'm going to say like the Air United team because it's the team we put out when we beat Air four 0 Um, I'd have went with that team like just two strikers on the pitch and just go for Queens. Um, and I know we're saying it off off air, but like I, I do think Queens are like a better team than the league table shows. I think they'll they'll climb up the league a wee bit when it starts to open up a bit. But they're bottom of the league right now and. They're there on merit. Their form's pretty poor at the minute. So you need to go and try and win that game. But uh, I know we'll come on to it uh, further just now. But with the starting 11, I'd have liked to have seen Graham start. um, But I I couldn't say I was disappointed with Conor Murray. And I thought Murray had done all right. A bit harsh to be hooked at half-time. But that's the consequences of when you drop your top goal scorer. He's always going to come on if the game's now 0
0: David, were you happy with the team? And was the performance that we got the sort of performance you expected from that starting 11?
1: To be honest, yeah, I mean, you obviously have the danger of, you know, Forster, Mayo and Graham all being slotted back in, We've had a week or two off, and we've seen Graham sort of slot into that role of not playing a full 90 minutes over the last month or two, so I'd always like to have Graham on the pitch, but I've kind of, with what's been happening over the last month or two with Graham, I kind of understood it, and and it was a bit unfair to, um, as we said, to hook Murray at half-time, but He is always that sort of present threat where you stick him on, he'll he'll cause a bit of chaos and maybe a goal will come out of it. In terms of the performance, I actually do think that we were a better side. We probably should have won, but I would agree with Reese saying that Queen of South's league position is probably a bit deceptive in terms of the way they play. I think they set up quite well against us, made it tough. They've they've done it every time we've played them, Um, to be fair. So we, we couldn't break them down. But no, I mean, I, I was I was happy enough with the performance. Um, I don't think there was anybody that was out for criticism. I just think that they, they set up quite well and we just couldn't break them down, which, I mean, we've had that before. It's not necessarily too much of a concern or whatever. But yeah, I thought we were a better team overall, but probably deserved to win. But, you know,
0: a point is a point. I think it's encouraging we can make these changes though and we, there doesn't seem to be a huge drop-off and I think it's probably down to just having such a strong core especially the sort of back of the team with Sneddon, Mayo and Akinola and then you've got Banswin, and Dock in midfield so if you've got that core base of five tinkering around that, even with changes of shape isn't really seeing a dip in performances because that is so strong I think that's really been the key to our success in recent weeks Rhys, what were your thoughts on the game itself?
2: Yeah, well, as I've touched on, I think it was a massive game for ourselves because um, you look at the the fixture list that weekend. Um, Inverness were playing Kelly, Abrof uh, were playing Rev. so it was a chance to like kind of make some ground on the team around us and try and jump up a few positions. Uh, when you look at it, is it two points dropped? <laughs> I suppose so. I suppose so because you want to beat the team at the bottom of the league and give yourself that wee bit of incentive of going second place. And if the results had went away, we could have ended up being top of the league. Obviously, Inverness won other on Friday night, so second was as high as we could go. But it wasn't to be. And a draw on the roads never a bad thing. If you win your home games and you draw a other game, it's fine. Um, but yeah, another clean sheet, as we've said, so happy days. And there's, there's been, it's been touched on as well already. Like Queen in the South did have chances. I think the, the boy Lee Conley is a bit of a joke for them. He's a standout player. I take him in a heartbeat. If I saw, like hit the woodwork and then... For Nedden into that great save, which he tipped onto the woodwork as well, they had the bar from a directly from a corner in the second half. So it's not as if we we pummeled them and we're walking away like screwing a lot. Our, our, our missed chances, but Graham should have scored in the second half. That ball for Tiffany in the one six yard box and he's put it over the bar. Hard one to take, but you've got to score that. He's he's almost hit it too sweet. He's connected too nicely and it's put it over the bar. So a point's a point at the end of the day. Another clean sheet and we're still unbeaten. I think it's ten now. Um, so I.
0: Obviously, this is the first time I've been back on the podcast since we we broke the clean sheet record, so congratulations to Jamie Sneddon in the back four. It's obviously a tremendous achievement to now go eight clean sheets in a row in all competitions. But, David, do you think there's any risk of the team trying not to concede, becoming a distraction to scoring goals at the other end?
1: Um... It's it's one of those weird ones. I, I watched um, Tunji. I done a, quite a few interviews over the last couple of days um, on like, Jackson and stuff like that. And he brought this up about now with the clean sheet record. When he was asked about it, he's like, they do think about it a lot, and like they want to keep it going, and it is really important, and it it, it makes them work harder than before because just having that lift of knowing you're on this record, and if you if you put in that little bit extra. And you're tracking back and stuff like that. You're going to be in history and um, and talked about how much it means to the players. Where Certainly for the defence and goalkeeper, I think it's absolutely a boon in a, this streak. Because not just in momentum, but they, they clearly don't want to let it go. And they're really raising their game here. In terms of like, attacking, though, like, it's an interesting point. Um, because obviously, like, at the start of the season, we were just kings of entertainment. We were winning games and we were losing games, but there was always like four or five goals kicking about in the game. You know, we'd score them, we conceded concede them. It was all over the shop, and you know, it was very entertaining. But then, I say when we started this clean sheet run, we'd you know three nil nils. It was our first our first draw of the season, and we had three of them in a row. We've had a nil nil here, um, and yeah, we know we've had a scrappy one 0 against Hamilton. Whereby, you know, when we started this run, you could probably argue a little bit more that. It already has kind of taken its toll because we're not the same free-scoring team that we were before. Obviously, you have the the air game, and which is kind of a bit of an anomaly. And obviously, the Hamilton game was six-one, was you know a huge, a huge, uh, scoring for us. But I don't know, like, I, I don't think so. I, I, don't think it is too much of a concern in terms of getting forward. I think teams kind of know a little bit about this, and again, you know they're going to the old staples. And, you know, marking down, Tiffany. Making sure you know people like Graham and Rodnar cover and all that, and you can make a case to say it, it's affecting our goal records, but I don't personally think it is the case myself.
0: Bruce?
2: see, I actually would say there is a bit of that sense because look how much it means to us as fans. Like me personally, um, every time it's kind of in our box, I'm like, oh, don't concede, don't concede. Like you want the run to keep going. So imagine how much all the players are thinking about it. Not even just the defence, the forwards, and everyone associated with the club. Don't want to concede anymore, and normally you just think, like, even you think they haven't game like you're six now up. This was before the run even started, but you concede in the last minute and you're a wee bit raging. But if you concede now, if you're three nil up and you concede, you'd be fuming now. So like, it does. It, I think it is having its effect. And as you say, like, if if we'd had that have this clean sheet record, I think we'd have been bombing forward towards the end of the weekend. I know we'd still we're we'll trying to get a goal, but it's not as much importance on it if that that makes sense. Of course, there's an importance, but like. The team are like, right, we've got a clean sheet, right. You can't, If you've got a clean sheet, you can't lose the game. And the old, it's the old adage as well, like attack wins your games, defence wins your leagues. And it's fine if we were winning every game 3-2 and we were winning 4-0 and then we were losing 3-2 and losing 3-1 and we're getting beat every time we went to like Arbroath and Inverness. But I think the next couple of games as we're going to touch on, that'll be a big test because we needed something different to beat these teams because we were going up to their place, we were going 1-0 ahead and we were still playing the attacking football. But these teams are a bit better. They can pick you off, see if you keep going for it. And they're at home. They'll come out and come at you in the second half and they'll pick you off. So in terms of the game at the weekend, Queen of the South, they're happy with a point. They're down the bottom of the league, so they're happy with a point. But the next two games will be interesting. Arbroath and Rafe, they'll come at us and we'll be a wee bit more defensively minded than we were in the past. So it'll be a real interesting watch, I think. There'll be chances for both teams. So I'm looking forward to those fixtures.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to the fixtures just in a wee bit more depth, just in a minute. I think I'm agreeing with David that I I don't see it affecting our attack too much. I think you look at the the games that we've had in the run and obviously the the goals scored on average has went down. But I don't think you can attribute that to players being distracted by a clean sheet run for the full thing, because obviously you wouldn't be distracted by that until you're very close to the clean sheet run. So if you look at the games where we were very close, Kilmarnock away, we could have scored more than one that day easily with the first half with tons of chances and then a United away again four goals away from home the Ham on the home one that's the one that broke the run and that one you maybe could say the players were distracted because that was a a terrible game but then Denferman last week in the cup was was it wasn't great but it was better than Ham on the week before and then again at Palmerston we had chances we looked like a threat going forward. I don't think it's taking anything away from our attack. I think it's just making the players hungrier to defend. You see the appetite that Mayo and Akinola have to win headers, even when they're on the halfway line and it's it's not an immediate threat to go. They're so hungry to win their, their 50-50 battles, and they are really putting in some great performances, like eights, nines out of tens for, for the back line every week at the moment, and long well, may it continue, I think.
1: I think one one thing I would maybe say about this is that you, you kind of raise a good point there about sort of how good Mayo and Akinola are and stuff like that. And it's one of those things where like in the first quarter of the season, I think it's it's very arguable graham and rudden were the the two sort of star players for us they were the ones that were banging in the goals they were getting all the headlines and everyone was absolutely in love with them mayo and akinola have kind of taken that role in the last quarter where they are they have been the star players for us. they've been the ones that really holding the line but along with maybe Sneddon, which again is a defensively minded position it's about not conceding <laughs> conceding goals so i i think that it's just a case of the sort of the nine out of ten players that we have in this quarter are more defensively minded and even like for example You could say, well, you know, you've seen Bannigan, you know, tracking back and stuff and defending really well. that. But as well as that, you've seen Bannigan going in runs and going forward and doing stuff that he wasn't doing before, maybe because he just didn't have the legs anymore. But he he was pushing himself against like air, for example, and doing more stuff like that. But I think there's maybe something and I think you mentioned it half jokingly at Dumfries, Matt, about how like, you know, you wanted to see more defenders going up for corners and stuff like that. And they weren't because again they were so defensively minded and keeping the clean sheet i i could i could maybe i can maybe see that but um yeah i think it's just a case of our defense have been the best players over the last say seven games as opposed to the strikers and again graham not being there i mean graham played pretty much the whole nine games in the first quarter and he's missed games and he's been coming off at half time and coming on at half time and Stuff like that, where, like, you know, obviously he's not going to have as good a goal return because he's not playing every game like he was in the first nine.
0: The the one thing you mentioned there, David, I want to touch on, it absolutely baffles me why Akinola doesn't go up for corners, or certainly not all of them. And we've got guys like Tiffany in the box attacking corners. I just don't understand that. I know he's obviously quite a quick guy, Akinola, so he's good at defending the counter-attacks, but he's such an aerial threat. I I just don't understand it. Reese, do you want to come in?
2: Yeah, so I was just going to touch on the defence. Like, um, I actually put it on Twitter the other day. Like, I, I was saying, like, you actually need to appreciate like this record we're on just now is stuff that we haven't seen from Thistle. We've never seen it from Thistle, but we haven't even seen a clean sheet record this close in 100 years since 1921. And you look at the two guys we have at centre-half, Akinola and Lewis Mill, 21 and Akinola just turned 23, I think, respectively. Um, both technically great on the ball as well. Both fast. They both win all their aerial battles. I just think you need to appreciate this Well stay play for Fisso, because I genuinely feel that both of those boys can quite have great careers, like at a very high level. Obviously, Mayo's on loan from Rangers just now, which I think his contracts up at the end of the season. As soon as it hits January, I'd be tapping him up. I'd be giving him a wee contract, giving him a wee nudge. If we managed to pull that off and get him on a permanent, that would be ridiculous stuff. I know that Gerard was a big fan of his, but obviously a new man just came in. Don't think he's obviously not had a chance to see Mayo as such, so don't know what will happen on that front, but. I know the news came out during the week there uh, at the weekend. Sorry that uh, Rudden, Akinola, and Sneddon are close to new contracts. If we manage to get um, Akinola tied down for another year, I think that is incredible business from the club. By the way, because I thought the only way that we'd have a chance to keep Akinola after this form would be if we get promoted, but guaranteed promotion. I know we're obviously heading in the right direction, but to get him tied down after the start—I mean, 14 starts in the Livingston sheets is freakish. No matter what level you are playing at. And it never looks like getting beat. Like even doesn't look like getting beat for pace, strength, anything. His his recovery is so good. Uh, whenever he does, but it's part of me kind of thinks it's like nine games from McCall. because you know fine well the contract's been on the table for Ruddon since the summer. Same same time as Brownlee, and obviously Brownlee got his injury and signed it. So I think maybe it's like kind of pressure from McCall. Like it's out in public knowledge now the contracts there. Sign the contract. So
0: we need to wait and see what happens on that front. But fingers crossed, all three of them can get tied up for next season. Absolutely. Just one more question on the defence. While we're on it, Connor Steele's got in touch and just asked quite a simple question: Foster or McKenna in the right back role? Who's your preference? They've both featured there almost fifty-fifty on this clean sheet run. So, David, who's your preference, at Foster and McKenna at right back?
1: I was always a bit higher on Foster than everyone else in sort of first quarter of the season, and I generally do, do, he's had he's had the odd game and he's been a bit rubbish and stuff like that, but I've generally been a bit more charitable towards Forster on a lot of people. I actually quit, I actually do quite like Foster in the position. And I think, again, we seen like, I think Reese mentioned the stats before about his crossing. And I felt that we maybe did miss a little bit from him in the last two games of going forward, attacking. He might not have the legs or anything like that anymore, but he, he's clearly bringing something to the team. And McKenna obviously brought something to the team, you know, in the air game, he got the assists and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. I probably would go for Foster. I wouldn't be upset if McKenna gets it, but... I, I don't know, I,
2: d- I just feel, you no know, Foster, I- I'd probably go for him over McKenna. Bruce See, I'd play devil's advocate and I'd say Kieran McKenna. um And I'm not having a go at Foster or anything, but you can't have a go at the guy who won the league with us last year and he's part of the defence that's had this great, great run. But just for me, like, McKenna's not a natural right-back, but he he plays well in that position. I think McKenna's best position is centre-half for us, but he's never going to get in centre-half now, the options we have there and you've got Darren Brownlee who you sometimes forget is still at the club still to come back so realistically McKenna's not going to play centre half for us anymore and he, every time you see him play there is for, going forward is getting better each week his deliveries into the box are pretty good and he does get assists as well and he's definitely more of an arrow threat than Richard Foster I think he's like six foot four or something so put him in the box at corners, and I'm sure he'll eventually pop up with a goal I know he had that short, short stint at Falkirk and that terrible Falkirk team but I think he scored two or three goals in that stint as well so get him in the box at set pieces, but and he's got a long throw. I know Foster has a pretty long one as well, but McKenna's long throw has caused a few goals this season. So for me, I'd have McKenna, and, and I can't slag Richard Foster, but I know we always say it like even at the weekend just there, he lost the ball quite a number of times, and it's as if he gets the ball and he just knocks it down the channel, like almost hitting hope at times. But I don't know. I'm just being harsh. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to slag him at all because we're on such a good run, but I'm almost nitpicking the errors, but. Both of them
1: are equally as good, and I'm I'm happy whoever plays. I noticed uh, on Saturday, Foster was pretty much playing a right midfield for a large part of the game. He was he was well up the park. He wasn't tracking back that much, mainly because he didn't have to that much. But he was very much playing a bit bit further up the park for quite a lot of the game, which is quite interesting. I thought I thought he actually done all right at it. Um, but yeah, no, I, again, like I, I'm not I'm not fussed about either of them. You know, if either of them in the team, I know they're, they're going to do a job. But, yeah, um, you know, I'd probably go Foster over McKenna, but I wouldn't be upset that way
0: if it if Foster wasn't there. It's a good problem to have, isn't it? And I think, like I said earlier, there's no dip in the, the team performance, no matter who plays there. Like, the, the base of the team is so strong that you can make these changes and no matter who plays there, you know you're going to get solidity and a good performance. So it's a good position for Ian McCall to be in. Um, we'll move on we we'll look ahead. We've got our growth at Hill on Saturday, and that's the first of two straight home games. It's Wraith the following Saturday, and then a trip up to Inverness on Boxing Day. So a big three games in the next in the next few weeks. Teams up with us in the top five, fighting for the promotion spaces. And first up, it's our growth at Forhill on Saturday. Rhys, what are your thoughts on that one? No doubt, it'll be a tough game. They've been they've had a freakish start to the season. Um, they've got.
2: Guys who are all over the park, guys that will work for the manager, they'll run through brick walls for Dick Campbell and obviously their defence for, for like a long time now since they've been in the league is often mentioned as the best defensive league. They've got Ricky Little um, ex-Fissel player and then Tam O'Brien at the back but I'm sure Tam O'Brien could probably walk into any team in the league at the minute um, maybe not us. funnily enough at this point in time they're a brilliant team, brilliant hard workers but you've, you've just got to hope mate, like I know I speak on behalf of every Fissel fan but we're all preying on Arbroath's downfall, as, fun, as funny as it sounds, but we're just hoping that that comes crashing to a halt soon. Um, they've got um, big Joe noble up front. I think he's actually going back to Livingston in the transfer window coming up, so hopefully, hopefully he does get recalled and Arbroath kind of get him back because he is a big handful and he'll cause problems for any defence. Hopefully our defence can keep him quiet and hopefully we can pick up the three points. But the Inverness game at how the 0-0 game, funnily enough, we got a point that day and the game that starts part in the first half especially, is the games that I've seen us battered in this season. It's not happened a lot, but those games were tough days for us. I know we kind of made the scoreline a bit respectable towards the end It starts part with the two late goals, but we were poor that day. Of course, we had our chances as well, but I think Ray for a bit of a side going forward. I noticed that has almost slowed down a wee bit recently because he was on fire at the start of the season. But um, the boy, Ethan Ross, that they've signed for Aberdeen, has, he's hit the ground running and he's, he's flying at the minute. So I think there'll be goals in this game, to be fair, and I think... I hope it doesn't, but I think the clean sheet record may come to an end. Um, and I'm sure we'll touch on it soon. Like, I am not enjoying playing it for Hill at the moment. It's not the same as it used to be because the the pitch basically like it's not great at the minute and it's a lot heavier than normally is, and it is affecting the team. It doesn't seem to be affecting Queens Park. Obviously they're winning six nil on it and stuff, but we just look sluggish on it at the minute. But aye, and, I, and I'll say one thing. This is <laughs> this is a ballsy statement from me. If we win these next two games, if we beat Rafe and our bro we'll win the league. It's a statement, right? <laughs> and it's a long way from the finish line. If we beat those two teams, we'll win the league.
0: I hope lots of people record that. And I hope you're right as well. David, in, uh Jose Mourinho's first stint at Chelsea, famously predicted the day that Chelsea would clinch the title. So I'm going to ask you to predict the day that Thistle will next concede a goal.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Um... I, I I well first of all I'm Reece, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a lemon here I'm gonna back you on this if we if we win these two games we will win the title I will back you on that I spoke to my friend um, Alistair who's a big Kelly fan uh, I went to a gig he was playing in and I spoke to him and he told me about Kelly and they all hate it they they all think he he says it's the worst Kelly side he's ever seen and he's he's been going since the 80s the the, the Kelly fans are hating it. They're playing uninspiring football. They don't think that they're going to go up. And he is, he, in all fairness, he is usually quite negative about Kilmarnock. But yeah, I, I I, just get the feeling from the Kilmarnock side, they're not inspiring anybody to go and win games or anything like that. So I think that they had their chance to run away with it and they've not. I think Inverness are going to be our main title rivals. And again, if we can beat Rafe and our brother, we will, we will beat our tally from the last quarter. Which is what McCall has said, and we said it as well, is what we need to do. And other teams are dropping points and stuff like that, and it's really closed. But in terms of conceding a goal, um, I am very excited, in a in a masochistic way, to see Joe Nibley against our revitalised defence because he get, he us a whole lot of havoc the last time. Um, it was Tunji Akinola's first start. People were getting mixed and matched about. sneden obviously had the howler that he had before, and he's totally changed his game now. He doesn't have these errors very often, and he, he seems far more confident. in this this side, the defence are they they are so confident in the moment that I, I don't I don't think nobody's going to have his way like he did in the last one. But I'm excited to see the battle put it that way. I I think we will we will keep a clean sheet against our broth. Um, I don't think we're going to be absolutely scoring a team. Again, the pitch isn't the best. I will you know I'll probably go one 0 against our bro. I'm I'll 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 say we will next concede. The f- what's the first game in January?
0: <laughs> Bloody hell, David. We've we'll still got four <sighs> games less in December. I never <laughs> Niggle this year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like it might sound silly, but <laughs> I could see it's not, not could... get with
0: twelve clean sheets in a row.
1: Like it's, the sky is the limit at this point. You've already broken the records. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like you I know
2: how. About... I assume you're talking about January 2023.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, aye. Um So well, so yeah, it's telling me that we played Morton on the second of January, at Hamilton, right? Friday the 14th of January on the telly uh, against Colmarnock in uh, a scrappy two one. Actually no on I again, no Kamala fans hate Kamana and they're boring as fuck, so no who are we playing next, Airdrie our bro, 29th of January, our broth away. That's when that's when we'll concede a goal in the in the wind tunnel. Why not? So 29th of January, mark it down the next time we concede a goal. Twenty twenty four of course. But yes, our bro away.
0: So you think our oh, long-standing clean sheet record of five that's lasted 100 <laughs> years is going to get smashed to about 14? It's, it's right. So
1: it's the it's the whole 6-0 and 9-0 are the same, right? When you get to 6, it's so ridiculous. It's, it's beyond realism at that point, whereby it doesn't matter how many you concede at that point. The deed has been done. We've already done that. We've got, what, eight, nine clean sheets at the moment. And they're so confident that yeah, they absolutely could just do it. Yeah, it was at 14 clean sheets. That's going to be our record. Why not?
2: See this, what you're doing just now, David? This is a dangerous game to follow me because I do this all the time myself. I know me going... But this is what I do. I'm excited to see Joe Noobly up against our defence. But this is what I avoid doing. I never look at the fixture list because I can look at that fixture list and I'll be like, Hamilton, that's three points. Morton, three points. We'll beat our bro, we'll beat them. And then straight away, I'm like, that's 30 points. I've just got... It never works out like that. I could look through the whole table and I'll be like, we're, we're going to win every game to the end of the season.
1: <laughs> that's you the get your on you be like, oh, we'll be on like a 15 game clean sheet run at this point. And there's no chances. <laughs> and, 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 and
2: you're like, oh, Kelly away. We'll probably just draw that now. Now we'll get, we'll get a point away or something.
1: <laughs> well, that's that is exactly what happened. And I looked at the pictures. So I was like, hey, they're shite. They're shite. They're shite. Oh, well, Kilmarnock are, are boring. Of course, right? And then we suddenly you know, we're, we're
0: in the Europa League. But like, I think we a can see the goal Hang on a minute. We've got Inverness away in Boxing Day, right? They are relatively not shite. No, so I'm no. Go- but I'm going to f- oh, come I, I, on, man.
1: No, no, no. Right, 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 right. We are usually quite good at Inverness. It, it is also no boring. Both. And as well as that, we only lost that game because of the error, and then Kirk Broadfoot pulling out some wonder goal. Like, if we, if we had conceded, because we missed a chance in the first half, it would have put us 2-0 up. We would have won that game at that point. We, were, we weren't especially bad outside of the error. Like, it wasn't like we were completely dominated by Inverness, and they were kind of flagging a little bit. So, no, I I, I could see us keeping a clean sheet against Inverness. That's, um, that's,
0: that's crazy talk, David. I'm, I'm going to say uh, we'll, we'll be the first Glasgow club to get the 10 in a row. We'll keep clean sheets at home in the next two next two games at Farhill because our defence at far has been excellent all season. I still think it's only Queen of the South and Kilmarnock that have scored at Fir Hill in the league, which is quite astonishing really when you think about it. So I think we'll get two clean sheets in the next two home games and then the run will come to an end and a, and a thrilling 3-2 victory up at Inverness on Boxing Day. And, but it, seriously, just coming back to you two's point about um, if we win the next two games, we'll win the league. Oh, if we win the next two games, and you've both been on record saying that, you know we'll get absolutely spanked up at Inverness on in Boxing Day.
1: Oh aye, Andrew Moffat absolutely is going to be captioning this and then replaying it back as when we get scudded 4-0 at Inverness. But you, you just need to believe. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I again, the sky is the limit I see, I just don't know how long it's going to go on.
2: See, just as well, Just let, let, before we can move on from the clean sheets and we can talk about something else, you know, I think when we do eventually concede, as much as we don't want it to happen, when we do finally concede, there'll be a pressure off the players. Like It's a good pressure they've got on themselves, but it'll be a weight off the shoulders. And I feel like we'll go and start expressing ourselves a bit more, knowing we have that defensive solidity. But there's no record with it anymore. And you can just go and express yourself really and we'll, score. we'll start scoring uh, freely again.
1: It's going to be one of those ones where we concede early on, to go one nil down, and we're like, oh, that's a shame. Then we'll win four one because at that point we're like, aye, well, you know, the the record's gone. Fuck it, why do we just chuck some people up the field or whatever? And,
0: aye, no, I I can see that. Reece, we we will move on. I want to ask you a question because you you've mentioned the pitch already today, but Queens Park beat Falkirk six 0 on Saturday, and quite an astonishing and hilarious result. Does Queen's Park scoring in six mean that we can't use the pitch as an excuse because they played on that same pitch that we've been complaining about for about a month now? Because they've they've shown it can be done, they've shown that you can play attacking football and score goals, despite the fact that we're playing an absolute clown shoes defence. Can we still use that as an excuse going forward? See you've just you've covered it pretty much for me. I was about to say
2: that in normal circumstances there's no excuse to, there's a team who's in a division lower than you. Bopping teams about beating them six 0 on the same surface, but then um, I was going to say, have you seen that Falkirk team? Have you watched the highlights? Like the defending was abysmal for almost every goal, like laughingly bad. So it's hard to to gauge Falkirk against any championship side. Um. The pitch is the pitch is really bad right now. It's as bad as I've seen since the Glasgow Warriors days. It's really heavy. It's covering the players' boots and stuff. And I'm never wanting to look into that stuff too much. Like you know, you hear man just saying it all the time when it's the slightest bit long. or oh, the grass is long. They've not watered the grass and that. And it does affect games, but never too much. But I do think that the pitch for how it's been it's been affecting the team. It's been a hindrance on the team because this is the best team we've had in many a year. And I know we never got to go to the games last year as such, but. It would have been good to see us play good football on this pitch. and To be honest, if you ask any Fissile fan, would you take a free-flowing game where you end up losing 1-0 or would you take a 1-0 snooze fest? They're taking a 1-0 snooze fest every week as long as we get the three points. So, If the team continue to dig in, I couldn't care if we're playing on sand come the end of the season if we're still getting those three points.
0: David, the the pitches are really boring subject, right? so I'm I'm going to move on. Um, January, the January transfer window is coming up. What,
1: well, when are going to concede a goal?
0: I <laughs> <laughs> thought he didn't have his turn because he's a goal club in March so <laughs> what positions do you think we should target and do you have any names in mind I, I, when you raised this question earlier and
1: obviously I think someone, eh, Ross Alexander I think eh, was eh, also put it on, on on the Twitter when he came out I was like god I mean Reese will post it literally every fucking three days, right? But you, you kind of look at the partnerships we have at the moment, you've got like Holt and Akinola, you've got Banzo and Doherty, you've got Graham and Rudden, and you've got and then you've got Tiffany on the left hand side where again, you've got that core of what, seven or eight players where you basically can't drop them <laughs> at this point, except Graham, obviously. But you know, you're you're really, really well catered for in those positions. And then you look at well, you know, the right hand side is maybe one that we we've chopped and changed, and we've had you No know, Cammy Smith, we've had Kyle Turner in there. We've also got uh, Jake Casey in that who can play in the right as well. I know he's not really done that much, but we have options here. But it's like signing another player playing the right hand side is do, do we need do we need to do that? And similarly, like you know. You've got Holt at left back, who's been fantastic. And then, again, we were talking Foster, and McKenna, both are, you know, there's no dip in quality with either of them. I really struggle to figure out where we w- we should be signing because we are really, really stocked at the moment. F- for the first time in a long, long time, I can't think of too many players that I, w- I would be rushing out to get. I-, I think we will probably sign a veteran goalkeeper, and with Stone going back to hearts. I know they said they were happy with the loan and stuff like that, but I would not be shocked if they sent him back. I know McCall had wanted to try and get a veteran goalkeeper before, so we'll maybe see that. Maybe like a young striker or something. I know you've got Ross McEver in there, but like a young striker that kind of takes a bit of the slack off of Brian Graham because, again, we're finding that he's not playing 90 minutes every week, which I think is affecting us a bit, and having someone in there alongside Rudden because I don't think Rudden works as well on his own than he does in a partnership. I think those would be the two that I'd be looking for, but if I'm honest, there's nothing sticking out where I'm going, we need to sign that, because I feel we're quite well catered for at the moment.
0: I think for me, the the key is to get the the contract extensions done, I think it's a cliche, but if we get Snedden, Akinola and Rudden tied down for another year or two each, they'll be as good as new signings, I think. I'll come to you with a name, and yes or no, and then you can explain your answer. Stevie Lawless, should we sign him? Yes, but just that simple. um, It'd be a great
2: option to have on the right cutter inside, and I'm led to believe that McCull did offer him a contract, and it's the same as what he was on at Motherwell. Obviously, nothing's been signed. I don't know if it's been knocked back or whatever, but I know there's some some sort of red tape issue as well, whether he can sign with teams or not, and he's been training with Livingston anyway. So who knows what's going to happen on that front. we just need to wait and see. But in terms of players that I would like, normally I've got a list of guys that, oh, we could improve here, we can improve there. But I genuinely don't. For this transfer window, I'd like a guy on the right wing, as has been mentioned. But I think it'll be more interesting to see the outgoings this window because when you look at it, right, I think Jake Hastie will be going back. It's pretty obvious, kind of. He's not been not been getting any game time. He's not been any good for us. And he's only on loan until January. Uh, as David said, Harry Stone's another one who could be sent back to Hurts. Um But when you look at the actual squad players that we've got, the guys who are under contract, the ones that could be away, you start to look at guys like Shea Gordon. And I mean, Shea Gordon's been a pretty decent servant to us. Um, He's popped up with crucial goals at times, but he's not getting game time that he'd be happy with at the minute. And he might be looking elsewhere. Um, He's a good enough player to go and get game time somewhere. Um, And I think another one's probably Stephen Bell, but that's a a weird one because, let's be honest, Stephen Bell's never going to play for us again, really, is he? He's getting older, but he's a, he's a good influence in the dressing room. The whole run that we've been on since we, came, we were sixth in League One until present day, it all came since Stephen Bell signed with the club. So he's obviously a good influence around the dressing room. And he's on the bench like every week, not as a player, obviously, but as part of like because backroom staff as such. He's always in the squad, always in the dugout, um, encouraging players on. He's obviously good to have um, around you. So I don't know if he's one that will be let go as such. I think Michael would maybe like to keep him in the building. So i it'll be interesting to see who goes and as Michael's mentioned a couple of times, I think it'll be one, maybe two max if anything comes in.
1: I I would agree with Reese about, about Lawless and I, I kind of didn't want to say it because that was the one that kind of stuck out to me where it, it seemed I mean Lawless has been posting stuff on his Instagram about, you know, he can't wait for January he's buzzing to get going again and stuff like that. Making it, make it out as if he's already signed with her team, basically kind of intonating it and Lawless really thrived with us, and like I mean, <laughs> the the one time we played at, at Farhill after after he left, is he scored one of like his only goals for Middlesbrough. He just seems like you no know, born to to play at Farhill and yeah, yeah, I think he would be really good on the right hand side. Um, I I would really like to see him. And again, we, if Hastie's going back to Rangers, that 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 kind of fits that. Apart from that, I can't really think of it much. but Lawless seems to fit a hole there. But obviously, you don't want to be the guy who's just like, can we sign Doolin, Erskine, Lawless, eh, Ross Forbes, Cherney, all that. Because, you know, we, we get stuck from the DAS, so we're just constantly focusing on the past.
0: I think it's a, it's a really interesting transfer window, because as you've said, as you've both said, we don't really look like we need much strengthening. But it's probably like the most attractive we've been as a club to potential signings since like the summer of 2017, since after we finished in the top six. So that's come back four and a half years ago now. It's the most attractive we've been to any potential signings. It's probably the easiest it's going to be for the club to make signings. Ian McCall is obviously a huge factor in that. The league position and the feel-good atmosphere in the club is, is all contributing to that. But at the same time, we don't really need anyone. So I think it is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. We'll finish the podcast, as we always do, with our Partridge Thistle section. So I'm going to ask you both, what is the strangest thing, item you've ever seen brought out in the Thistle away end? I'll open that up to either of you that want to come in.
1: Till the day I die, I will always remember the guy in front of me at Palmerston in the Scottish Cup game who, bought, who brought three full-size salmon to Palmerston Park like and they were the size of your arm and he turned up because Connor Salmon was on his incredible goal um, streak of probably about three games but it felt like about 40 um, at the time and he brought three full salmon to Palmerston Park, got up to the, the gate and he says, can you bring that in pal? And he's like, how? And he says, because it's, it's three giant dead fish, you're no bringing it in so he just swung it about over, over his arms for sort a of wee bit and then just left them in the car park for everybody coming in. Just like, you know how the mafia used to send like dead fish to people as like a warning for like, uh, you know, when they were, they were going to get a hit, similar to like the horse's head. Um, it was kind of a bit like that. It was a bit weird, but yeah, three full giant salmon at Palmerston Park for the Scottish Cup game was incredible. They'll never be beat. Bruce.
2: I've seen plenty of weird things in my time going to how Um, sorry, away ends. Hill home or away, you see mad stuff in the fistle ends. Um, it's always good to see. I've not seen it for a few years actually, but I remember Motherwell away when there was like ten, maybe fifteen fistle fans all sort of dressed up. They all had like different masks on, like dressed as like alligators, like the horse mask, all that kind of daft stuff. Um, you see like you see people bringing like quinoas and like quiches and stuff like the most obscure food and that's obviously why we kind of get this hipster reputation like i don't know why <laughs> i don't know why it happens and i've also seen people like reading books at games like during the game as well like old old daz and old maz like reading books when you're meant to be watching
0: chris booling bag his 121st goal makes me sick plastics <laughs> there was there was one a couple of years ago i think it was in the gary caldwell the you know? It, I don't know if it was a joke, but I, I think it was like a, a serious. And he had like a thistle top on and jeans, like a perfectly acceptable attire at a football game. But he had a captain's armband on as well, and that, that's that's unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be rocking up to a game a captain's armband on unless you are going to do the coin toss in the centre circle. I, I'm going to
1: make the obvious joke. He'd have probably done a better job than Christy Elliott, to be fair. But that's true.
2: That's true. I take it this question is like being asked because of wee Jags Buller on the first wend of the weekend. Wee I like see Aidan Fitzpatrick, he was sitting in the obviously the Queen of the South stand, he was he was uh, injured and he texted me during the game and he's like, Has
0: with like ten laughing emojis? <laughs> <laughs> How can you even see that over <laughs> Amazing. As always, thank you very much for joining us on Jawlozer. Oh, I was joined this week by Rhys Haldane and David Forrest. You can find us on Twitter at DrawLoserDraw and on Facebook. You can listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify. As always, stay safe and buy a season ticket.